Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we flip the real estate status quo on its head and put loan officers into the driver's seat. We, we, we give you all the tools, strategies, resources, and mindset needed to modernize your mortgage business and thrive. And my name is Luke Shankula, aka Longform Luke, and this is the Loans On Demand podcast. I hope you're ready for the Loans On Demand podcast. Hey, what's going on? It's the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we help loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents and put loan officers in the driver's seat. And today we have Mark Cruz on the show. He's the CEO and founder of Ensource Financial. And just really wanted to, to learn a little bit about what he's doing to, to grow his business. Uh, he's, he's right out of Miami, Florida, uh, and he's doing some really cool things in, in the mortgage space, um, uh, doing some really cool things with, with uh I'll, I'll let him speak. So, so without further ado, here is Mark. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and, and what you're doing here. Dude, first of all, congratulations on the show. Thanks for having me on. I feel very honored that uh, I'm popping your cherry. Uh, this podcast and you are amazing because you've always given me value in our relationship. And I know that you're going to continue doing this for everybody else. So good props to you, brother. So Ensource Financial... We actually run our mortgage company even before Corona started since the beginning, it's been run digitally. So that means that um, I wear a black V-neck and trucks every day. Uh, I go to my closings and at closing is when I meet my clients. Before then, the whole experience is through like a few phone calls, a lot of emails, interaction with my CRM and my team, which I call my angels. And then the big shebang is at closing when I show up and hug them and high five them and they congratulate me on a kick-ass job. Dude, that's uh, that's awesome, man. And I know I know you do some really cool things. Your your, your team is set up in a really cool way. Um, and so, but before we get into that, uh, tell me a little bit about because I'm a, I'm a sucker for uh, the come up story, right? You know, I ha I have a crazy story. Uh, I've been on a lot of podcasts. Uh, it's always just good to hear the the struggles that you know loan officers that the business owners go through. So tell us a little bit about your story, kind of. Uh, what, what's the path to starting Ensource Financial uh, and what has been the journey since then? Well, it's a long story because I've been doing this. This is uh, going on my 26th year, but uh, I was one of those kids that didn't do very good in school. I didn't pay attention to my teachers and I would mess with them telling them that I was either going to be a truck driver, a garbage man or a, a lord. So my path through school was rough. I barely graduated high school. And one of my high school professors said that I'm not going to let you walk even though I had the points in the grades, like D minus, solid D minus, he wasn't gonna let me walk unless uh, I told him what I was gonna do with my life when I graduated. So luckily for me, one of my buddies had just started working in mortgages. So this is in 1994. And I said, look, I gotta graduate from school. This is the only thing holding me up. Can I interview your boss? And he goes, well, yeah, we went to shoot some pool. Uh, we started shooting pool and he st I started interviewing him. And at the end of my interview with him, he goes, you're hired. I go, what? He goes, yeah, while you've been interviewing me, I've been interviewing you and uh, I'll guarantee you a job as long as you get licensed. So at 18 years old, I graduated from high school. I didn't have the money to pass my test. My parents were, you know, single income, blue collar worker, immigrants, uh, Cuban, very, very, very Cuban, you know, from a very Cuban household. Um, so you don't ask that for anything, you, you know, you work shit on your own. So I started working on a roof. You know, there's a lot of roofers in Miami and I passed my test and I was one of the youngest people in the state of Florida to be licensed at, um, at 18, right in 1994. 
And then from then, I started working as a telemarketer. So it's funny how it all kind of comes full circle because having people like ISAs in my company is one of the things that helps me become very successful. But we'll get back to that towards the end. So I actually worked in telemarketing before, before when they can just give you like a list of random numbers and you can call them. And they had this guy named Joe and Joe would just dial away every day. He's like, Hey, this is Joe. Do you want a loan? And no matter what people would tell him, no matter how they would tell him that he sucked, what a pitiful human being he was. He was like, why don't you want to save money? <laughs> it was just, he taught me how to have like real tough skin. And I also grew up Hispanic, poor, in a weird religion. So I got used to people telling me to go off a long time. So I took off on the phones. I ended up managing that department. They ended up firing me, giving the job to somebody else for like 600 bucks a week instead of like, I think my second month's commission was 8,000 bucks. I was 18 years old. So I hit running and I hit a wall running even harder because they fired me. And then I started working for like my first A paper. The interesting thing about that is that back then nobody was doing like BC loans. Subprime did not exist. And the shop that I was doing the telemarketing for, they actually were like the pioneers of doing BC loans in Miami, Florida. So a lot of almost everything I've done in my life has kind of been backwards. I learned how to do like the, the bad paper first. And then I went to work for an A-paper shop and nobody knew how to fix bad paper. So I became a manager. Like they made me vice president. (laughs) (laughs) Look at that. Yeah, nobody had any experience. Um, So that went on until I, you know, the natural progression of loan officers. You know, you do good, you do a few deals, you become a manager. And then finally I went on my own in 2002. And until the debacle in 08, from 2002 to 2008, every year was the best year of my life. You know, I was having a lot of fun, a lot of friends in the industry, a lot of clients, and we were making tons and tons of money. Sure. Then uh, the debacle came and I went from being, you know, uh, hood rich to homeless. That was like a very, very drastic, hard, hard, hard fall because there was no money all of a sudden when you're used to making so much funds. And I had like staff. So I kept on paying all my, all my staff salary. I'm like, Hey, do me a favor. Go get a job somewhere else. You know, they started getting like a, I remember that, that one of my guys became a car salesman, another one insurances, and they were all steadily leaving. And I stayed on the ship until the last person got off. And then that's it. We shut down and that was all she wrote. Wow. Wow. And so that was uh, up until what? 2008, 2007, yeah, somewhere around there? Well, I lasted until the third quarter of 08 because like I was telling you, I was doing very, very well. Mm-hmm. My phone would not stop ringing with clients calling me for loans. And I had probably $200,000 of files and commissions stacked on my desk. It's just, we couldn't get them funded. Right. So that was the end of my mortgage career. And I promised, man, I swore I'd never do another loan again. I was like, I'm never doing this again. And so I ended up selling high-end watches. So I had a collection of watches and I was, as I would go broke, I'd have to open up this watch winder and figure out which of my babies I was going to sell. So it was like, Oh yeah, I got to pay two. The, like a gold piece or, or a diamond brightling or, or a, a Rolex. I ended up selling everything in my winder and that turned into a business. Just started reselling watches, traveling the world and doing all that. And I was dating this girl who was like, listen, you got to marry me and you got to put a ring on my finger and you got to buy me a house and you can't do that with the salary you're making. You're really, really good at mortgages. Go back and doing that. So then I started, I started in soft, like a soft opening. I went and started consulting for companies. Okay. And they're like, you know, guys that I knew that were still running and had the larger lenders in my area I've consulted for. Uh, I did this whole reverse mortgage program for one of the biggest local lenders. 
And six months working into that, I learned how to do like the, my first jab at doing uh, Facebook ads, uh, Google ads, writing copy. And I was like, oh, this is so freaking important, you know? And then once we had the whole entire program uh, set, they nixed it. But I had all the ideas. So I opened up and sourced financial. I, I had this idea of this company and it was driving me crazy because mortgages sucked. Right. And when was this? This was right around like 16 when I started saying mortgages sucked and I was consulting. I had clients that would come in and ask me for loans and I would refer them to the clients, the companies that I was consulting for. And my clients would go through this horrible process, bro. It was like torturous. The, right. the, the loan officer didn't call me. My contract is about to expire. The lenders were like, oh, you know, just deal with it. It's the way the market is. The rates were high. Their junk fees were super high. And I, I, was, I was like, man, this is why I never wanted to do mortgages again. This shit sucks. Right. And uh, I say I did the only thing that in my mind a reasonable person would do. I quit everything and I opened up my own company. So it happens that I was working. I, I just rented the house that I'm in now. My daughter was moving into her room and I moved everything out of her room into the garage. The garage door fell and almost chopped off the front of my foot. Dude, it was crazy. I was actually, Jeez. my son was right next to me, right? And he's yeah. like saucers. And he's like, uh, dad, dad, I thought I was going to like bleed out. Now, in hindsight, it wasn't that bad, but I just saw blood squirting out of my foot. Sure, I'm like, sure. This is scary shit. So I ended up in crutches for three months. And anytime I would try walking, my stitches would split, it would get infected. And you're you're a little hyper like I am. Imagine if a doctor told you you had to stay in bed for three months. You'd, you'd drive everybody crazy. Not a chance. Yeah, exactly. Not a chance, man. I don't think I'd last a day. Bro, I had to. There was no other way around it. So what I ended up doing was I ended up staying in bed and putting a TV in front of me, which I don't, I've never have a TV in the bedroom. And I would put YouTube and YouTube and my laptop. And I built my ideal company. I started calling old realtor partners. I called all my clients. And I was like, man, what fucking sucks about doing this? And realtors, what do you guys hate about dealing with loan officers? What sucks about this whole process? What sucks for you? And I'm talking about, I called over 100 people, bro. I'm like relentless. And then I started getting the commonalities and the bottlenecks. And I built a company around those. So again, backwards. Dude. About everything that, that sucked. And that like I hated and my realtor partners hated and everything else. And then I started asking, how come you've always sent me loans? What do you like about me? And then I built those things around the things that sucked. And I built a mortgage company backwards right out of there. So what I figured out was the best thing to do was my model is I charge very, very little uh, points and fees. So my rates are unbeatable. I don't like losing, dude. You know, right. I don't like giving somebody a loan estimate and then going out and seeing that somebody's giving them a better deal because I feel like I didn't give them the best deal. So I don't like losing and I give everybody the best deal up front. I give all my clients loan estimates up front. Um, for my realtor partners, I actually help them make money. Like I go out, I teach them how to make money. I teach them how to convert uh, leads because internet leads, you know, they don't behave like regular leads. Yeah. That concept, they'll, they'll be fine. But until that point, they're going to say these leads suck. Right. It's not that leads suck is you, you don't know how to nurture them correctly. You don't understand yeah. the perspective. But then again, when I started, I started in a boiler room. So I knew how to turn these guys around. Right, right, right. Well, and I, I love the, the fact that you solved the problems because the, the biggest thing, uh, the biggest thing to understand with this whole process that you're talking about, right, is you started to solve the problems that you saw in, in the industry, right? And, and so what, one thing to note is that we get 
paid in direct proportion to the pro the size of the problems we solve, right? So if we can solve bigger problems and we can create better processes, we're going to get paid exponentially more, um, especially in the long term, right? Because you build uh, you build that uh, goodwill, and and I love the fact that you built something around the fact that these things were broken, right? And, and think about these companies that have popped out like Airbnb, Uber, these things like they built the same way, right? They built the Ubers because they hated the taxi industry, right? They built they built Airbnb because it's like there's got to be a better way to you know to find somewhere to, to stay um, versus just staying in hotels, right? And so building a business um, and, and that's what it is, right? I mean, even if you're a, a single loan officer, I think you got to treat your business as a business, right? Regardless if you own the company or not, uh, the, the reality is you need to own the process. Uh, and I love it, man. I love I love ex everything you've built on that front. And so so tell me, I know one thing that's really unique about what you're doing, right, is obviously you're giving value back um, to, to your clients. Uh, tell me a little, or not clients, but real estate agents. Tell me how you're doing that. Um, I know you do a lot with social media. Uh, and then we can get a little bit into how you're staffing, you know, your, your team and how you're kind of building that sort of process on the back end. But let's real quick jump through how you're helping your real estate agents grow their businesses and just kind of provide value that way. Right. All right. Awesome. So we have a belief system in MSource Financial and it's my personal belief system. And that's how I run my company. And one of the tenets of this belief system is that there's more in giving than receiving. And at least from my limited experience, this is my third year doing this and I'm growing at a hundred percent clip every year. I'm growing because I'm giving more, not only to my clients with lowest rates, transparency, super speed and efficiency, but my realtor partners. Yesterday, I was at a real estate office teaching them how to go out and jump on the phone and get more listings because the owner of the broker was complaining that, man, we're having, we have 30 approved buyers with you. You know, we have just me and this company alone. We have like a 20 something, 20 something person pipeline. And I'm like, bro, what's the deal? When are the contracts getting here? And he's like, there's no inventory. I go, well, let's fix that problem right now. I did a class for all his agents on how to go out and get more inventory. Before that, I had taught his, uh, I did a class and that's how I met this realtor on how to get more, obje uh, how to handle objections and do more conversions, like increase your conversion rate on internet leads. Um, well, it's, it's interesting you say this because um, the, the thing about internet leads is, and, and Facebook leads in general, is, is Facebook is interruption marketing, right? And so what it does is it exposes people to their greatest weakness, which is sales. People don't want to admit that they're not as good at sales as they think they are. Right. Because if you've done business and always done referrals, you've always worked your warm market, your SOI, those sorts of things. The reality is, sorry, but you're not that great at sales. Right. You're, you're, you're probably a great networker, a great people person. You build relationships well. But the reality is selling to cold people is a very different process. And I love the fact that you're literally teaching them how to make more money, because the reality is if you can learn how to convert Internet leads, you can learn to convert something that's infinitely scalable like that versus like, you can't scale uh, relationships infinitely really like, yeah, you can do some things that, that can help you do that. But that's the one way you can really infinitely scales. If you can have basically an untapped demand of business coming. Exactly. Well, I learned the hard way, dude. So I learned by falling on my face the first time that I ran Facebook leads about three years ago, I got all hyped up. And I hired somebody to run leads for me and the leads start coming in and they're slamming the phone. They're like, no. And I'm like, I called the dude. And I'm like, these leads suck. And he goes, dude, have you ever worked leads before? And I'm like, well, yeah, I get leads all the time. How do you think I run my office? And he goes, no, no, internet leads. Do you know? And I was like, no. So he, he didn't stop billing me. He even tried to bill me the next month. But what I learned was that I did there was something that I didn't know that I didn't know. And it was how different internet leads were. So then we, 
I went out and hired somebody to help me. And they actually started telling me internet leads work completely different. And then they started telling me, I started remembering about my cold calling days and two and two came together. And then I understood you have to have a different mindset with a warm market lead like you're talking about than a Facebook lead. The Facebook lead, this guy's been getting, if they're clicking on your ad, they're clicking on other shit and they're getting bombarded by people asking him, telling them, trying all sorts of things. So when I hear somebody that's frustrated, like for example, in yesterday's class, think about for sale by owners, or expires everybody's up on those people you know yep, like, yep. like a newly single girl on facebook it's a single button everybody's on their dms right these for sale bombers the same same exact way so i taught people like 10 little simple tricks they can get a seller from telling them go fuck yourself to oh shit he might have something of value to say right so while we were there a lead came in the girl ran out converted the lead, came back in and gave me the lead. And I, right when I finished my class, I called the lead on speaker in front of everybody. And uh, they're out looking for property this weekend, bro. Dude, there's, there's, and, and we hear this conversation, obviously, you know, with what we do, I hear this conversation over and over and over again. And uh, we just had someone that, that said, hey, these leads aren't working. You know, there's nothing the last five weeks. Yada, yada, yada. I'm like, I, I literally just talked to someone in your same market that's closing over a million, million and a half a month directly from these leads, right? And so we're not doing anything, you know, it's a little bit different, but they're pretty much the exact same ads, right? They're just a little bit more customized. Just one person has the right process and the right mindset and the right basically process behind how they're converting these leads. And the other person is just expecting to do a home run every single time they get on the phone, right? And so the shift is is more so in the fact that you're digging for gold versus every single lead that comes in is gold, right? That's the shift that needs to change, right? Like if you're, if you're right. getting referrals, you're probably going to convert 75% or better of referrals, right? But you're not going to do that with with leads, right? But the reality is like, especially for real estate or even mortgage, right? Like you're making two, three, four, five grand a pop, right? You don't need all hundred leads to, to convert. You need two, three, four, five, right? So you can give it back to real estate agents. So you can start to provide value to your uh, to your real estate partners, right? Which is exactly what you do, right? Well, and like I said, in our belief system, there's more in giving than receiving. So it reverts back to going to an agent that's sending me business. And you've got to see these agents' faces when you give them an approved buyer who's a slam dunk. It's like, hey, 350 grand, go find her a house. This is her market. And they're like, what? Thank you. That real estate agent is going to follow you no matter what you do, where you go. A lot of times, whether your rates are low or high or whatever, they don't care because you're taking care of them and you're taking care of their clients. So as long as you do what you say you're going to do with your clients and with your realtor partners, you'll have oh, not infinite, but you'll, you'll see how your referrals can be scaled almost infinitely to the point where you won't be able to handle it. And it's like getting abs, you know, no matter how many sit-ups you do, you're not going to have abs the first week or the third week, but lo and behold, you keep on doing abs every day. All of a sudden, three months down the line, you notice two, a little two pack. Then all of a sudden you've got a full abs set. It happens slowly over time. So I tell my kids this, I tell anybody that I work with, I think the key to success for anybody in anything that they do is persistence. So effort over time equals anything you want in life. And that's my formula. Just Dude, I love it. It's not always gonna go well. In both, in both of our businesses, things don't always go smooth in anything. So no matter what happens, Effort, 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 even if you're falling down, standing up, even if you're doing well, effort over time, and then you'll always crush your goals. Well, and, and it's it's interesting that you talk about this because I think that's the biggest thing that loan officers and even 
any sort of business owner, real estate agents, it's, it's consistency, right? People, people are unwilling to be consistent over time with the same thing over and over and over again and fail over and over and over again, right? Because the reality is like, I'm sure with you, like probably fell on your face a million times starting your business. You didn't know how to do anything, right? Like same here, man. I, you know, the first two years, I pretty much made no money, right? I, I just bled money more than anything. Um, but it's the consistency of the actions, right? As, as you talked about, um, and that's where where true growth happens is is in the consistency um, because repetition is the mother of all skill, yeah. right? So the more you can do th- something over and over and over again, and, and there's this concept that I heard on it was a TikTok or something like that. This guy talks about uh, it was a, a marketer, but he's talking about this. Uh, the, it's called, kind of like the, the the journey to success, right? It's this U shape. And at the very top of that, it's like this brand new idea. This is awesome. I'm going to do it. This is awesome. Then you get to the second level and it's like, oh man, uh, this is really hard. Like, I don't know, should I do this? And then you get to the bottom, you're like in the valley of despair. And then yeah. you're like, oh man, I saw this new thing. Let me try this, right? So like, let's, let's put it in context for a loan officer, right? Like, oh, I tried Facebook ad. I tried this agency. I tried whatever. I tried posting on social media and that didn't work. So that's whatever. And so I'm going to go up to the next thing. What's the next lead source that I'm going to do? And this is a really cool, this is a really great lead source. And, you know, and then, oh, this is actually really hard. It's not growing my business. And you get to the valley of despair again. And what's interesting is this is a U shape, right? So, so, so many times people turn back at the valley of despair instead of realizing that if they persist past that, they're going to get to, oh, I'm, I'm kind of sort of know what I'm doing to excellence, to success right? And that's the reality of anything that you do in life, right? Like if you want something, if you want to grow, the things that you did to get to where you're at are not going to work anymore. What got you to three loans a month is probably not going to get you to six loans a month. What got you to six loans a month is not going to get you to 12. Because while you might be able to go do the same things to get those loans, if you don't have the backend systems to do that, you're going to break and you're not going to be able to do it, right? Yeah. So, so, so yeah, like maybe you could use the same prospecting systems, but you need the backend systems, right? And so, and so you got to realize that consistency oh. and moving one step forward is, is really the way to do it, right? And, and I love the way you put that, man, because how did you say effort? What was it? Uh, consistent effort over time equals anything you want. Yep. It's like I heard something the other day and I, and I really enjoyed it. And they were talking about the grass is always greener, but everybody's always looking the fence saying the grass is greener. They're not watering their own lawn. Just right. water your lawn, take care of your own shit, and then you'll see it grow. Yep. Um, so since we built Ensource Financial backwards, we had scaling in mind when we started. And that's why we started scaling with virtual assistants and you know outsourcing people instead of having an in-house staff which is very unorthodox in the mortgage business right uh, most of the time it's marketers that do it but if you can gather ideas from other industries and use them in your own industry and apply them why not and yep. i saw that a lot of people especially the marketers were using people in the philippines people in mexico people in venezuela people here and there and then these are super highly qualified people like the first time I interviewed, it was uh, in India, and every single one of these guys was a badass compared to me. Like his resume well, was. Well, and they all have, they all like, especially in India, and they all have like MBAs and, and you know, masters and, and doctorates so and all this kind of stuff, man. It's 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 insane, right? And and obviously, you know, the, the conversion rate works out. Like they they can live a, a, an awesome life. Um, and obviously, in comparison to to our average salary over here, it makes a big difference. And in addition to the fact that they generally work harder. For that right they really do I, I think being an immigrant for myself the way i grew up was a huge huge plus because i just had to bust my ass more than my i didn't have any peers that weren't there because i grew up in a very hispanic neighborhood you know we were right. all cuban but um i think i have an advantage over people who were born here because they didn't have to work as hard to get the thing the same things that i did sure. i had to 
twice as hard. And I get, I guess that work ethic really works out, man, because that consistency over time has really led me to build the company that I wanted to built it backwards. So right now you touched on something super, super valid earlier and is you can't scale no matter how bad you want if you don't have a system in place. And well, real quick before you get into this, uh, this is one of the biggest things that I see, especially right now with how busy everybody is, is loan officers unwilling to put the work in to build out a team, all right? And to build out the systems, right? So they get to this point and they're working 10, 12, 14 hours and yet they're continually stuck at, I mean, what, what's the capacity? What can one person do? 10, 10 deals a month, 12, maybe 20 deals a month, but like, you know, how long do you do that by yourself without having, you know, people in place to support you, right? And I think- Burnout uh, and anxiety also. There, there's, there's, uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Loan officers, uh, real estate, you know, uh, entrepreneurs, salespeople were, well, I guess humans in general, we're lazy. We're inherently lazy, right? And what that means is not that we were, don't work hard. That means is we take the path of least resistance and the path of least resistance is to do everything yourself. But as both of us know, right. And I know you were about to get into that is the path of least resistance generally does not lead to the dreams and goals we want to. So go ahead and, and finish up, you know, talking about the systems, right? So like I said, and I agree with everything you just said, uh, I heard somebody say recently, there's nobody busier than a loan officer closing three deals a month. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yes, yes, yes. I was laughing so hard because it's so true. It's so true. We hear so many times people say that. They're like, man, you know, I'm just, I'm just so busy. I don't know if I'm going to have time to follow up with the leads. And I'm just like, what are you doing all day then? But at the same time, there's a lot of companies that don't set those people up for success, right? So there's both, there's both sides of it. If you're doing everything, running your files, gathering docs, pre-qualifying, taking up calls at all times, you're, it's after three files, like you said, 10 files maybe, and then you're pulling your hairs and you're having burnout and anxiety. It does not work. So I knew that I wanted to run volume. So I sacrificed volume at the beginning and I concentrated on building teams instead of building my pipeline. Uh, because yep. every time my pipeline started growing and I wasn't ready, I would implode. Well, and I'll, I'll, I just talked about this today on our, on our coaching call. Um, and one of the things that uh, I was talking about is it's the 30 day rule, right? The book fanatical prospecting talks about it. It's like the actions that you take over the next 30 days are going to impact your business over the next 90 to 120 days. Right. And the reality is so many times people, uh, their business is up and down because they don't build the systems for sustainability. So like one month they're at 10 deals. Great. Awesome. You're crushing it. And all of a sudden 90 days from them, you're like closing two deals. You're like, what happened? Well, the reality is you stopped it's doing the revenue generating activities. Right. Exactly. You stopped doing the revenue generating activities during that month that you were so busy that you were underwriting the files. You're you know, whatever, not, obviously not underwriting, but processing the files. You were chasing conditions. You were following up. You were working on fires because you didn't have the systems in place. And I know you with your systems, you talk about, you know, you build it for scale. I, I fell into the same thing with my business is I wanted to grow, grow, grow at all expenses. And all of a sudden for the last six months, we got stuck because we didn't build the foundation for actual sustained growth and everything broke. Everything was breaking. We, we fixed it quickly, right? So we had, you know, still good service, but everything was breaking and we couldn't continue to grow because we didn't have the foundation, right? And so, uh, you know, I didn't have the, the foresight that you did when I was building my business initially. And now we're, you know, we're building up massive systems, which is awesome, but um, I didn't have the foresight that you did to, to, to put those foundations in place. And what's interesting is a buddy of mine who runs an agency, they had the foresight and they built it all out. And I was like, I was crushing them you know, six months ago. And we had a much bigger agency and now they're just destroying it. I'm like, how are you guys doing this? And they're like, man, we built, you know, we spent eight months just building the foundation for this. And it was like, oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's huge. And, and, and I want to, I want to uh, touch again on, you know, what you talked about with the virtual assistants. Cause I think, yeah, it's very common in the marketing space uh, to, to leverage virtual assistants 
in, in places like the Philippines, India, you know, Latin America. So talk a little bit about that process. How are you leveraging that for your, for your business? And, and also, I guess, talk about kind of how you've processed out your business, right? So how, how have you grown that way? Okay, so the reason why, I, uh, and a big part of my success is my angels. So like Charlie's angels, Mark has his angels, they're called the end source angels. And they really help me. I talk to my clients and I do my onboarding. But even before then, we systematized everything. So before I went and hired enough virtual assistants, I started with four. I actually started with eight, knowing that I was going to weed those eight down to four. So virtual assistants sometimes can be like leads. You know, it takes going through a few until you find one that rocks. And when you find the one that rocks, they rock. They knock it out of the park. Well, it's just like empl- employees too, right? I mean, you know, everybody, you know, you, you almost so have to, yeah, go ahead. We have a very, very strong vetting process. So I started with eight, went down to four, and then I started assigning tasks to each of the four and figuring out what they were best at. Um, about a year into doing that and really, really, really struggling, Luke, I'm talking about like almost giving up and struggling with it. I went out and looked for help with uh, 7FFA and what they do with processes. Yeah. And then once I started getting brainwashed with processes, everything turned into, okay, how do we systematize this? Uh, can we do a standard operating procedure for this? And now my own VAs, like for example, we're going through a round of hiring, right? So I'm sitting here with you on the podcast. There's an ad running that I didn't run. They're responding to everybody on the ad. They send them the questionnaire, which they built out. And whenever we do end up hiring somebody, there's a classroom built by my own angels for the new angels that are coming in that teaches them company culture, uh, like the basics, like a glossary, like, you know, this is what loans are value Mortgage terms. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, mortgage terms. And then the company culture is the first thing. They need to get the ether. We're here to, with this, I got you attitude. No matter what happens, I got you. I'll take care of you. So they go through that. When they're done with the mortgage stuff, they go into actual mortgages. Like, what does this mean? What does this mean? How do you how do you pre-do this? How do you order this? How do you do that? And when they come out of this, they know top to bottom a little bit about everything. Also part of their hiring process is that we do personality tests. We do all these different types of tests. And then do I do a series of questions to them that was taught to me by my performance coach, Clay Moffat. So he's this huge, we'll call him the Wizard of Oz from Australia. So he does NLP and he taught me how to get people's values in a very, very short period of time. So then what we do is we find what truly mean something to them at their core, what their what their personality tests are they're good at, and then like a disc test, which tells me what tasks they're going to be better at, repetitive, everyday, menial tasks, or a big thinker task, and then we assign them a role. And then they're on probation for that role. Well, we don't call it probation anymore. We call it a training period for two months. So sure. while they're training, they're not getting uh, bonuses. Uh, they're not getting any of the other stuff that they get. So they have an incentive to pass. But also we figure out what they're going to be like stellar at. Some people are great on the phone. And they suck at, you know, numbers. Some people suck on the phone and they're great at numbers. And then we distribute them to where we need them the most and what matches with them. So our turnover rate is very low right now. That's awesome. If they get hired, if they pass the training period, they're with us for years. Are you, um, are you hiring for specific roles or are you just hiring and then filling them into roles? So we hire for specific roles, but if you see like our ad, it's scary. Like if I would read it, I wouldn't apply you know, you have to be good at this. You have to be good at this. You have to be good at numbers. You have to be good with people. You have to have this willingness to learn. And then there's a secret word in our ad that if they don't put it on their application, we already know that they weren't paying attention. And then once they apply with us, it's not come straight to me for, uh, for an interview. They got to pass a test. Right. Right. (laughs) And then they'll get one interview with me 
and uh, my, my other angels are doing a scorecard with us on the call. And when that's over, we actually put them on a Zoom meeting and we do the final interview and then they get hired. Sure. So by the time they got hired, they went through this whole process. We tell them that we're eliminating this. You're number four. There's four people left in your group. So when they make it, they're like, yeah, I'm an angel. I made yeah, it. Yeah, that's awesome, man. They a big deal. And they step up to the plate and they always knock it out of the park. It's awesome, man. That's incredible what you've built, man. It really is because, um, you know, I, I know uh, when, when I first, you know, joined that same program, you're talking about the systems program. You're like, man, like I've, I've gotten like, two, like, I think you said two days of your two days a week back or something like that, um, oh, yeah. which, which is incredible right because it comes down to that it comes down to systems and, and i will say i was talking to uh, another loan officer friend yesterday and i was like man building a team is probably the hardest thing i've ever done but it's also one of the most fulfilling things i've ever done because when you build the team and you build the culture and you build the vision and, and everybody buys in man it's just it's an incredible feeling to just see uh how people really can buy into uh, your vision right and it feels it feels kind of weird because like at least for me it did because this was my first bout into into managing people up until like owning my own business i never managed anybody right so i had to learn how to become a better leader which has been the big shift over the last you know six eight months is how do i become a better leader and show up in ways that i didn't when i was the grinder right and that's the big shift that loan officers need to make when they want to go from uh, being a loan officer to being a team leader is you have to learn to stop. You're not the grinder. You're not the grinder. You have to delegate. You have to figure out how to impart your vision on what needs to happen. And they don't have to be quite as good as you. And they are going to make mistakes and they are going to suck for a while. And it probably is going to be harder at the beginning, but the reality is over time, that's going to take so much off your plate and you're going to be able to go out and uh, let's just say bless other people to, 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 you know, if you really truly believe that your product and your service service is is right for people then you have you know an ethical obligation to go out and see as many people and meet as many people as possible right um and, and if you've built this you can't do that by yourself right like you might be the best at customer service but at a certain level you're not going to be the best customer service because you just don't have the capacity for that right so how do you build the team around you and i love it man i, I really appreciate you uh sharing all your gold uh before we go is there any last things uh anything that you would leave with uh, you know loan officers on um, on growing business, on growing system, anything really. Is there any last words that you have for us? Yeah, some things that really help my business out is we've already touched on consistency over time. It will give you literally anything you want. But before you get anything you want, you got to know where you're going because if not, you're just going to be digging in the sand. So have a plan and then just follow that plan. So back when that garage door fell on my foot, I wrote out a 10-year business plan and I'm on year three of it. And I'm just following the plan, always pivoting somewhere here and there, but I'm following my plan. Another thing that saved me, man, so many headaches and probably made me a lot of money, hire people who are already where you're at and ask them how they got there. Yes. Seek professional help. Dude, why wouldn't you have somebody who already did the things that you want to do, help you like get to the front of the line? Uh, so because they'll tell you what they did to get to the front of the line. It's not only they put you there, they actually help you there. And I think that's so key, investing in your business and thinking like a business owner, not thinking about a loan officer if you're truly looking to scale. Well, and, and it, I just was recommended this book and I started reading it last night. I was devouring it, but the book is called Who Not How. And it, it really touches on that same uh, on that same thing is like, how is not the right question to ask yourself if you want to accomplish it, right? Especially if you want to grow. Uh, who, right? You need to find who can help you get to that next level, right? Whether that be a mentor, whether that be someone to do uh, whatever you're processing for you, anything, right? Like how can you find someone that who could, how can you find the who, right? And that's really, it was funny because it was kind of like a tongue twister, but that was the, the main 
point of what you just talked about is find someone who's who, who's where you are at. Uh, and, and what I think is really cool about you, Mark, is that you're like in more marketing groups, I think, than I am, right? And I, and I think too many loan officers um, and, and, and in a lot of industries, we get stuck in the same communities. Uh, so, you know, so, so I like to see outside of the communities too, right? Because it, internet marketing, like you can get stuck in being, you know, all click funnels and, and stuff like that, right? Yeah. And so uh, it's the same thing with loans, right? Like find people outside of your industry that, can, that you can learn from, right? Like, uh, you know, marketing, uh, you know, and, and Mark, I know, you know, you're, you're doing a systems course that's mostly for marketers. You're in yeah. all kinds of marketing groups, right? And, and you've learned from just about everybody that I have, right? Which is really, really cool. Um, and, and I think that gives you a leg up because most other people are taught to cold call realtors on Mondays, go network, <laughs> go back for business. Like, you, you know, you talk to any branch manager, that's pretty much what they're going to tell you, right? You know, go get the business, just go figure it out. Right. And so, so I, what I, did was I, I figured out what I sucked at because I'm really good at certain things, which means I'm going to suck really, really bad at other things. So I, I call it like Swiss cheese. I have a Swiss cheese analogy. I got to find a Swiss, a slice that fits opposite of me and covers my holes and I cover theirs. So yeah. that's exactly what I went out and did. And that's helped me grow because there was no way with the education level that I have and the things that I've done in the past that I'd be able to build the type of company that I'm building. So I've gone out and hired people who are smarter than me. Um, so I got into marketing groups because I know marketing is the lifeblood of business. So I wanted to figure out who the best of the best is. And that's where I met you and a lot of our peers in those marketing groups. So right. I took a lot of stuff that marketers use for other marketers and brought it into mortgages. I learned, I pay people who do mortgage marketing and learn from them. And I'm still their friends and we still hang out and we still talk friends with you and some other guys that we both have mutual friendships with. Yep. And yep. You guys are all super cool people, but you'll, you also make us money. What's well, there not to like, and if you only follow, if you only follow like 10% of what you or some of these other girls in this space do follow 10% of what they do, you'll make a shit ton of money. Yep. You, yep. you got to stick with it and not start jumping through that. Uh, what was that? What was the you called? Uh, the, the Valley of Despair is, I don't know exactly what it is, the, 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 the journey to, to success type of a thing, right? So thank you so much, Mark, for being here, man. It's, it's been awesome. It's been awesome chatting. Um, and uh, man, it's, it's been great. So um, if anybody wants to reach out to you, is there any way they can reach out to you? Or, you know, if it's a realtor, maybe he's listening to this uh, in the Miami market, uh, you know, how, how can they find you? Well, there's no better way of doing a loan in Florida. And if you need the best loan in Florida, and if you want a mortgage that doesn't suck, Call me at 305-785-4442. And you can find me on Facebook. Uh, just type in my name and you'll see me in a black V-neck doing my thing. Uh, and you can email me at mark at nsourcefinancial.com. Thank you again, Luke. Best of luck with your show. Thanks for all the value you provide. Thanks, brother. Thank you so much for being here, man. Thank you for tuning into the Loans On Demand podcast on loansondemandpodcast.com. The Loans on Demand Podcast.